Isn't that fun to see everyone kind of standing up here today who can't even stand in a straight line? It is good when the family of Christ grows, which is why it's appropriate for us to continue in our sermon series with a family chat. And again, I just remind you that a family chat may, it may hearken back for you as something very difficult to hear. Mom or dad may have said, okay, you're about to head off to college, we're going to have a family chat. But I'd rather see this as a time for us to explore, to appreciate, and to be encouraged. Last week, we remembered. We remembered where this church came from all 23 years ago as a mission plant. We celebrated how we have come here and that we have kept as our main focus reaching the lost of Jesus Christ by strengthening and equipping those who already know him, who love him, and who live for him. This morning, I'd like for us to be uh, thankful I'd like for us to be thankful as we remember back for just all of the incredible blessings that God has given to this church. And, and where we're coming at from this is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David is nearing the end of his life. And in the end of his life as king over Israel, he is getting ready to pass on this torch, this mantle of leadership. Now, if you'll remember from last week, David had it in mind to build the Lord a temple, to show him honor and glory, and so he, he, he made the treasury huge, and he brought in all the best supplies, and all of the best craftsmen and artisans, and he had it in mind to build the temple to God, and God said, whoa, hold on there. I know that's what you had in mind, but I have something else in mind. And praise be to God, David does this. He takes a step back. He takes a step back and says, God, you know what? You're right. I'm doing this because you're in control and you get your way. But in chapter 29, 10 and following, we're going to look at these verses here in a little bit. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. We're, we're not quite there, but uh, you got your uh, smartphone or anything else, your pad, uh, go ahead and pull that out. You can pull up the scripture. But when we get there, I want you to understand that what David starts out with today is this, is this thanksgiving. I mean, he is so thankful for what God has done in his life. He is so thankful for everything that God has provided from his hand of protection to a hand of blessing. I don't know what it is for you today, but for what are you most thankful to God? Is it the fact that you're worshiping here today with your kids, and man, you made it through the snow, you made it through the morning, <laughs> the routine, right? You found a parking spot, maybe? You didn't slip too bad coming in? I mean, whatever those kind of trials are, are you thankful this morning that you're here in worship? Maybe you're thankful because you've got a job. And quite frankly, over the years past, that may not have always been the case. And so you're just thankful. Are you thankful for a modicum of health? Or if you're unhealthy, are you thankful for the doctors? Are you thankful for the, for the medical professionals that are in your life, for the medicine that you're on? Are you thankful for extended family that send you a word of support, comfort? Are you thankful for just the little things in life, the little, the little joys? You know, when you, you walk into, uh, 
like a gas station. I don't know if you've got little kids anymore, but mine are seven and nine, and it seems like every store we go on to, and it's got some little kiosk thing with a lollipop or a piece of candy, you should see my children's eyes light up. <gasps> Father? <laughs> oh, blessed one. <laughs> Most holy. <laughs> and you know where it's going. I'm like, no money, no quarters, can't have any candy, sorry. And, and you see them drop, right? Oh, but it's little joys like that. It's little things that bring complete joy. This last Friday, let me tell you, this last Friday morning, I set an appointment to arrive at our DMV. <laughs> 10 o'clock, I got an appointment. I knew that this would be beneficial. You see, earlier in the week, I took two days off. I, I did a little something for myself this week. I, I took a motorcycle basic riding class. I'm excited. I, oh, no, I, I mean, and, and I passed, okay? I, I mean, I want you to know, passed. I was so excited. I had my little card, my endorsement. I'm ready to go. 10 o'clock, Friday morning, I'm in the DMV, and I, <laughs> I'm going to get the little M under endorsement. And I'm walking in feeling really good. I even wore pants. Okay, most of you know that's the, the rarity. Okay. I walk in there and, I, and they say, do any of you have appointments? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. And I walk to the front of the line and I'm feeling special. And I get in there and it's not 30 seconds later. Please go to line number one. And I go into line number one. It says next in line and line number one. And I'm, that's me. And I mean, I'm, this is joy of the Lord right here, Okay. I walk up there, I hand her my drive, I said, I am here to get my motorcycle endorsement. She's like, boy, you are happy. I'm, <sighs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but your license is canceled. I said, <laughs> no, 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 my license is not canceled. She said, no, you, you had a ticket about two years ago. I said, I paid it. Yes, you did. Several weeks late. And in the state of Colorado, they'll cancel your license. A year and a half ago. Mind you, I got a passport with this same ID just seven months ago. I don't know who's not talking to each other. But I went out of the country. I said, ma'am, what do I need to do? She said, well, you need to pay a reinstatement fee. I said, here. She said, that's good. She goes, now, because it's been over a, a month, uh, you need to take the written test. <laughs> and a driving test. <laughs> and I said, okay, bring it on. Here we go. Goes right over, electronic version, 25 questions. I'm nailing it out. That's not good, okay. Oh, I'm 0 for 2. This is, I got to get 20 out of 25. I nail the rest of them. I'm feeling good. She's, I said, when I get done, what do I do? You just walk right up to my counter. I said, okay, I'm still feeling special. I walk right up to the counter. I said, here, I passed. She said, good job. Now, you'll need the schedule to take a driver's test. And I said, <laughs> Uh, so like, are you taking drop-ins today? And she said, 
no, no, you'll have to take the next available uh, appointment, which is March 24th. And I did that. I said, okay. She said, well, but you get to get a permit since you passed. I was like, great. <laughs> Go sit down, they'll call you up for your picture. I sit down and now I'm really at the DMV because now I've lost appointment status. I'm sitting there. Right, and I finally get my name called, and I go up, and <laughs> please sit down, she says, and uh, uh, we need to check your license. Would you like to change your weight? <laughs> or your hair color? I said, you're killing me. You are killing me today. I said, all right, I guess I'll change the weight. Go ahead, bump that sucker up. And I said, go ahead, put gray. She looks at me. She goes, well, you know, it's a crown of splendor. I said, you're very wise, according to the Bible, to say such. I haven't said I'm a pastor yet. <clears throat> Get the picture taken. <clears throat> I'm getting ready to leave thinking, I, am I not supposed to drive for the next seven weeks? What the heck's going on? Right on the side, third-party testers. I like third-party testers. I said, can I do a third-party test? Well, if they have any openings today. I said, where are they at? She said, there's two in the parking lot. I said, great. So I go out. I said, hey, can I do a third-party test? She said, yeah, how about right now? I said, 40 bucks. Great. I'll do 40 bucks. Let me get into the, I, I sign my life away. I go get, and she's, hurry, get in my car. I'm like, okay. No, no, the other one. I said, okay. She comes running out of there. I get in. I'm being, now I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? You know, I haven't looked at the book, you know. I'm like, okay, uh, see out, good, checking, I'm checking mirrors, you know, and she's like, hurry up, we got to get out of here, and I'm like, what is going on? She goes, I think one of my coworkers is about to get murdered, and I said, what? She goes, I don't know, there's a lot of arguing going on, don't be surprised if we see the police, let's go. <laughs> At this point, I think I'm being punked, I'm looking for a camera crew, okay? <laughs> so I get in, I go do the test. We get done. I said, how did it? Well, you have 13 points against you. I said, what? She goes, well, you didn't look around nearly enough. State wants you to look around, but you passed with flying colors. I'm like, who misses 13 things on a test and passes with flying colors? I'm not going to ask the question. I said, thank you very much. I go back into the DMV, and now I don't have an appointment, so I'm doing the waiting in the line. Yes, I need to sit down. I go to line three. I go to line three. I go in. Yes, what are you here for? I said, I passed. She's like, great, okay, so let's get your regular license. This will be $26. I paid another $26. I said, oh, but wait, before you process that, make sure you put the motorcycle endorsement because that's the whole reason I'm here. And she goes, I can't do that with this one. I have to close this one out first, and then we'll do the next one. I said, okay, how much is the next one? $2, all right, $2, great. So I pay for that one, I go sit down, I get called up, I wait again, right? So I'm waiting again, I get called up, and he goes, okay, so we got two pictures here. And I said, no, no, I've already had one. He goes, no, no, you have two things going on. You've got a regular driver's license that we have to complete, and then we have to cancel and vo uh, avoid that one out, and then we gotta do another picture for the final one with your motorcycle endorsement. I'm like, oh my, God bless you. <laughs> he says, would you like to change your weight or hair color? 
I said, no, no, I've already been down that road this morning. <laughs> and then, so he takes the picture, and then I hear, face check. And I'm like, that's it. I'm getting arrested. I'm, not, I'm gonna miss the whole service of the weekend. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I see people scurrying around. I'm like, what the heck? Did I punch a button? What did I do wrong? It's a supervisor comes over. Well, he's got a beard, so he looks different. It's okay. We'll repros. Just go ahead and give him this license. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I mean, thank you, Lord. I look down at my watch. I had been there at 10 o'clock. It was 11.58, under two hours, and I again walked out feeling like a stud <laughs> because I am thankful for the little things in life. I told you a long story about a dumb thing because I think it's in those little things that if we forget those in our life, life will become unbearable. It'll only be about sitting in lines or red tape. It'll only be about the bureaucracy that seems to surround us. It'll only be about following the rules and paying the fines. But if you'll notice the little joys, then there is a lot to be thankful about. Turn in your Bibles to First Corinthians or First Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine. And in verse ten, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. I hope you know that each and every Sunday, our worship team—they are jacked up. They are so excited right before worship. Right, that they pray and they just ask for God's anointing. And when we are together, we just love to praise God. I hope you know that when I pull this seat out, right, and, and I sit here and we read the word of God and I, and I proclaim God's word, that it is out of pure passion, pure love, pure desire, and pure thankfulness with God. That's, that's why I do what I do, and I am so thankful that you come, that you come and listen, that you come and participate, that you come and give. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. That everlasting is an acknowledgement that God is everlasting to everlasting. That's the beauty of this, that we praise a God who has always been and who will always be. He's not going to fade. He's not going to go away. It doesn't matter life circumstances. He is absolutely always going to be here. You see, yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. If you wonder how I got to that whole first story, it's that word splendor. God's splendor is truly a crown. He wears it righteously. He wears it majestically. God is king. And it's him we worship. And it's him, because of him, that we are thankful. I shared with you a little bit of history last week of how the church started. I want to share with you a couple of quick stories of how generous God's people have been here at Family of Christ. I mentioned that Pastor Meisner, former pastor, started a 
the idea that we needed a, a modern worship service. It was long before I came. And in order to do that, we needed what was called, they developed a, what was called the Worship Enhancement Project. They decided they needed about $75,000 to retro the, the Family Life Center, the old sanctuary, to make it available to be able to use for modern worship services. The word went out, congregation prayed for it, they even asked for pledges, and people donated $105,000 in the next 30 days. That's how generous this church has been whenever there's been a need. And nearly five years ago when we started our, our building program here at Family of Christ to build this space, we received nearly $200,000 in the first 30 days to help get us kick-started and off the ground. After that, $1.3 million was pledged and $1.6 million was brought in. That's how faithful members of Family of Christ have been. That's, and we're thankful for that. We are extremely thankful that members of Family of Christ have said, hey, whatever it takes, God, it all belongs to you. You see, this is where David goes in verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. And in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. You see, we're aliens and strangers in your sight as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are a shadow without hope. O oh Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. That's a lot to be thankful for. Chris, Sarah, will you come up? Chris and Sarah Dahl, members here, I'll let them tell a little bit of their story. Chris, would you mind uh, sharing with us how you and uh, Sarah came to Family of Christ? You know, it's got to break your heart knowing that when you start, right, you're trying to start your life all together. I don't know, any of you ever made a mistake prior to um, you getting married? Do you want to go ahead and just... I didn't say you slept around, I just said, did you make a mistake? Well, you guys are really just... <laughs> 
So there's a challenge. Uh, Sarah, do you mind just sharing with us what, what those uh, nearly 20 years was like? Um, how often did you go to church? So, um, so we had the Air Force. Um, we were three years long, so I was at the Air Force. And um, every place we went, we also eventually found a church to go to because we were supporting to go for Christmas Eve service and for Easter Sunday service. And we might find two or three other Sundays that we felt we could get ourselves out of and we didn't go to church because of because that was just so good. When we had our kids, we became more persistent about making sure that we finished most of the time a year outside of the specifically. And sure we had a relationship. But we were not committed, we were not understanding church, and the way we looked for a church always was when we went out was the nearest of the church, closest to our home, and get to as quickly as possible, get out as quickly as possible. And um, that was our work for us, we were not committed to church before we could say anything we here. And that So, so as new members then, uh, you've been here about three and a half, almost four years, and how would you describe uh, your faith life in growing over those three and a half years, Chris? What have been some of the important steps along the way? Sure. For us, uh, you know, at one point we were asked, uh, as a bunch of us, to maybe lead a uh, study group, and uh, for me that's a very difficult thing, and I struggle with being up here on stage, I struggled with having to profess myself in front of others, but uh, we felt called and we felt compelled, and so we took on that, and it was an amazing transformation for us because we did that study for the six weeks, and then we turned that into a life group, and our life group has been everything to us. Um, we have some of the greatest friends, we have grown in our faith, we've learned things that I never learned as a little So then last year, uh, in January, I was doing a sermon series where one of the portions talked about um, generosity, talked about our commitment as believers and um, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and what that commitment looks like in a church. And I specifically talked about giving and what that looks like as we mature in faith. Sarah, would you mind speaking to that? So the, um, the timing of this uh, sermon, from what I recall, was around the same time that there was a huge congregational meeting, and we conducted to Chris and I the stress of this church was under for just the fact that there's so much that this church does, and um, the financial piece being there's a lot of time that was being taken from our leadership's day to try to help make sure that we continue to grow. So we walked into the congregational meeting feeling that we really should help a bit more. And then the sermon that somehow around several weeks we have to follow, and the theme of the sermon was stealing for God. And it was 
um, significant to us that that sort of we left. Um, we knew we needed to get more at that point. We didn't know how much more, but we knew that what we were doing wasn't enough. We didn't want to soak it up anymore. We didn't know that. Later that week, for the mission I met for lunch with a really, really good friend of mine, a spiritual friend who is also at the Air Force, and she was not with this church, but she was spiritual at her point. And I mentioned to her what had just happened, and we felt like we needed to get more. This church did so much to us. We felt that people we can't imagine stealing from the time from them to do what they need to do to be able to continue to reach the lost, which we were the lost, and they reached us. But also um, stealing from God, we didn't want to serve God. So we heard, I told her, I heard about this 10% thing that seems a whole lot. So what can I, what, what, what should I possibly do that's be not stealing from God enough where I can potentially make sure I'm helping the church? And she shared with me that not only does she give 10%, because I actually didn't think anybody actually ever really did it, I truly did, but I thought that was like old school. She said, yeah, so I get to percent, but also, um, and after taxes, is, so, you know, what she was called, she was like, I'm cheating a little bit, you know, I'm thinking about that, but it's after taxes. Uh, and then, oh, you know, but in the end, she said, um, but I don't have a significant, she had to start crying, I have a significant financial issues right now because she's 05, her husband was 04, she was at the team, five pilot, he was at the team, pilot, he was actually, we feel that we sold a third of our who was just separated and was not like a Delta. So their paycheck house and they had a house left open um, in Florida that was vacant for months and was also having some significant water damage issues. So they were struggling. There are a ton of people who were really struggling financially. How are we going to take it through? They're going through their savings like, very, very fast. And she was very stressed. And as she took it through her budget, shading things off her budget, she got to tithing and she stopped and she said, no way, I am not stealing from God. We will figure this out some other way. And so that's what we hugely, in fact, at first of all, something tithes. And it was such a priority that her faith was so strong that she knew she could get through what her financial difficulty she was and she was not going to steal from God. So she said the same thing again in that sermon. So from that point on, I wrote my next check that next Sunday. I figured out our budget for our giving it 10% and wrote in the notes so long as we from God. <laughs> Dolph, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your story. It is not an easy story. And there are many things that happen along the way, maybe in your own life, that keep you from understanding that everything you have is from God. And the blessing for the dolls I know from a personal just friendship with them is that they have peace like they've never had peace before. They have joy in giving. They have joy when it comes to coming to church and doing life together with the people in their life group. They love being Christians. It's no longer just a weird family thing to do. Now, they truly are brothers and sisters in Christ. Will you please thank them for their testimony? comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. I want to end there this morning with an understanding that the integrity of our hearts 
You see, God does love a joyful giver. Not out of compulsion, not out of fear, not out of what's in it for me, but out of an integrity of heart that says, can we not simply say thank you, God? Thank you for what you've given. Thank you for what you continue to to give. And I don't just mean in a monetary sense. Can you imagine being a young couple being told, no, I'm not going to marry you because you're a sinner? Can you imagine knowing that that is exactly who Jesus Christ died for? Can you place yourself in their shoes to to know finally that sin is forgiven? That the past does not mark you? That the past does not define you? And that you have a newness in Christ that is inexplicable. That's what the gospel does. That's what true freedom does. And it's not because you give. It's not because you come to worship. It's because Jesus absolutely loves you. He absolutely says, you are worth everything to me. That's why I sent my son. That's why on the cross at Calvary, when Jesus dies, he says, I know all of you by name, and it's for all of you that I die. And it doesn't just end there. (laughs) The good news is, you see, sin is forgiven, that we're raised to new life, and that in that new life, we become the very hands and feet of Christ. My prayer for you is that in thankfulness for what God has done in the past with our congregation, what he is doing now, and thanking him for the future of what he will continue to do, to raise up sons and daughters and cause them to show that love to the rest of the world. 